Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. How you doing, Jordan? You good? Oh man, I'm pretty good. I gotta say, I'm pretty damn good. You say that come- with a, with the tone of someone who doesn't sound pretty good. Well, it's just like this. No, you know what it is. I wasn't good, and then I had a huge tension released off of me. And when? you know what it is? I, I swear to God, this is the case. I've been watching. No, let me say it this way first. I've been reading a lot of books on business management, right? And I am not business minded at all. So it's all in one ear and out the other. I may as well be reading French literature. Um, then all of a sudden, Miss Love introduces me to Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares because. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? You called out salt. Have you watched that show? I've seen clips. He's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. He's very angry. But this is the other thing. Like this is, I think he needs a bit of anger management first. No, he doesn't. This oh, is for the entertainment factor. No, but no, not for the entertainment factor. That's true. But that's the whole thing. It was all ramped up because of the entertainment factor. This, I'm very passionate about this point. You watch Gordon Ramsay US and then you watch Gordon Ramsay UK. Gordon Ramsay UK has heart. Gordon Ramsay US, you know that there was some scummy Hollywood producer that was like, you're just not outrageous enough for American audiences. Can you flip out and call the woman an idiot sandwich? You know, like th- that happened in, in Kitchen Nightmares US. Kitchen Nightmares US is intolerable. Okay. It's better TV. Okay. It's quicker. But the thing is that the UK one was charming and it goes on this amazing emotional roller coaster of him just being like, okay, so how much money are you pulling in a week? Maybe 60 quid. 60 fucking quid a week. How much are the wages alone? 1,000 quid. Fuck me. How long have you got? I've got like two weeks, Gordon. Two weeks before I lose everything. You're like, Jesus, this is a fucking <laughs> brutal business. Like, <laughs> Oh, fuck me, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You really fucked up, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like, but like it's coming from a nice place. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like, it you is. fucking idiot. All right, here's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to sell fish and chips every time. It's always just some really basic. This is what he does. This is what I've realized, right? This is my big epiphany. I actually talked about it on the Jordan Shanks channel, but it was behind a paywall. But because I love you guys so much, this is my big epiphany, right? As artists, we are always searching for the next thing. That's what creativity is all about. We get very mm-hmm. bored discussing the same thing. And I think that cooks share this a lot. They're always looking to experiment with flavors. They're always looking to outdo themselves. It's the nature of being an artist. And they're the ones that start businesses every time. An artist, always at the core of a business. Unfortunately, a business is not art. Yeah, A business is the exact opposite of art. A business is a factory. Yeah, definitely starting to realize that. You're starting to realize it, hey. The audience wants what it wants. And when you're a restaurant, and this is how stupid I am, I've never, ever walked into a restaurant before and thought about the business side of it. Not once. I've always just been like, oh, yeah, this one sells Italian. I feel like meatballs. And then I sit down. So I'm exactly the kind of mindless consumer. Well, what? For every business, we're probably the mindless consumer because we're not yes. thinking about it at the deep level that the actual owners are. Except art, we're maybe thinking about that. Yes. But that's the whole thing. That's why I think that both you and I would definitely shoot ourselves in the foot 
so much more than we should be because we are those cooks just being like, I want to try salmon with strawberries. And it's like, it's fucked. Yeah. Get rid of the strawberries. I feel like we're forced, we've been forced to become businessmen in the digital age that we're living in, but in any other era, there is no way we would have any business acumen whatsoever. We would not be having to refine it and we would be very happy and satisfied just being full-time artists. But the thing is, first of all, we wouldn't have any money. The second thing is if we did have money and we were working for a media company making skits or whatever, those skits would be so streamlined. We would yeah, just be working yeah. in a factory, you know? Well, everything it would've... becomes a factory. Everything huh? becomes mechanized and systematized, everything eventually. Everything becomes mechanized and systematized if it's successful. That's the whole yes. thing. And then an artist at some point, I've realized, has to move away from the business because they start becoming detrimental to it. Yeah. That, that creative spirit has created something that works mm. and then they need to move on to another creative endeavor. I swear that that's what happens. And so you see it all the time in Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. It's the same thing every single time. You've uh, made the dining room look weird and specific and it should just be like white walls, you know. Uh, you've got like a real, like, you know, 60 items on a menu that comes out in this phone book when it should be like six. And those six things should be, very simple, recognizable things that human beings, like if they go to an Italian restaurant, I want spaghetti, please. I want pizza, please. And I never thought about it before, but that's why every restaurant is just offering the same things. I'm glad you you sort of brought this topic up because it's something I've been really thinking about a lot lately as well. So yeah. I think this will be a good podcast. And before I get into the meat of it, let's have a, let's have a chat to our subscribers. Uh, do you suffer from premature ejaculation? <laughs> do you ever come early? Do you ever just watch Gordon Ramsay and just hear him say "fuck" and just let out a load? Well, I know I do. Oh, I bet you do. You need Steady Freddy. SteadyFreddy.com. Use the code Neil Jordan. They've got a huge range of men's sexual health products, and uh, they've got their patented delay spray. So if you suffer from premature ejaculation, give your little Johnson a few whiffs of that spray, and it will delay that ejaculation for a considerable amount of time and you'll be able to perform at an uh, optimal and alpha level that we know that you're all <laughs> capable of. So go to steadyfreddy.com, use the code Neil Jordan, you get 15% off. They've also got condoms, wet wipes, ball boost tablets. They've got a huge range of products for every man who wants to perform well in the bedroom and perform well at life. And uh, as always, use only as direct. If you've got any underlying medical conditions, make sure you consult a doctor. Uh, we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Go to crushorganics.com. That's Crush with a K. And um, uh, pick from their wide range of CBD oil products. Personally, love that platinum oil. Every night in the routine, in the pre-bed routine. And if you have trouble sleeping, if you're an anxious person like I am, like I was, uh, get yourself some CBD oil from Crush Organics and use the code Neil. You get 40% off. Uh, they also have pain cream. They've got CBD oil for your pets. So crushorganics.com. If you haven't used it before, just, just start off with one or two drops. Uh, but uh, cannot recommend it enough. Been using it for over a year. Uh, so steadyfreddy.com. Use the code Neil Jordan. Crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil. Okay. 
Creating art in a in a in a business driven world. <laughs> Why are you thinking this? Because I've sort of I've uh, as I mentioned on other podcasts, I've I've started this. Uh, I've started Comedy Untamed. It's a partnership between me and a few other great people. You've all heard them, Max and Daniel. Although a few people didn't like Max in the last podcast. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with Max? Oh, I don't know. I like you. They said he laughed too much. I don't know. This is some comments. I I really look. You guys obviously because you're just used to uh, Neil and I sounding like the arts grad dropouts that we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're you're used to it's just a lot of like cynical cards. Autistic cynical cards with a lot of these kind of exactly that question there. Just yeah. like art driven in the business world. Just a yeah. lot of like. Just your old me, man. Like, so you're not you're not here for the for the gags. But I'm telling you, a laugh track on a pod works. It's the same thing with Come Town and Stavos leaving, and you hear a lot of people being like, "I'm glad all he does is laugh." And it's like, dude, there is a reason that laugh tracks existed in the '90s, and why sitcoms have been so much worse since. <laughs> you're damn right. Amazing. <laughs> Neil, at this point, would like to give a special shout-out to Rode for giving us this brand-new panel that comes with sound oh, effects. Oh, baby, Rodecaster Pro 2. It's great. For any sound nerds, I, I even though I always fuck up the sound, but uh, this one, the big difference from this one to the Rodecaster Pro 1 is that it's not a polywav file when the sound is um, exported. So I can actually, you know, I don't have 14 different soundtracks that has to be uh, that have to be exported all as one but anyway everyone else who doesn't know anything about sound would have been like uh what the fuck was that but um <laughs> cuz like i'm still reading a few marketing books and whatnot and you know it really does go against the, the essence of an artist to create a sort of repetitive product that people know you for and what i found lately is that i've been working on a short film script i've also been working on a song it's a comedic song. It's a cog dog song, but like I've started, I've tried to produce it myself. I've, that has really invigorated me artistically as has the short film. It's a short film that is more based in sort of narrative and not, and not a sort of a broad satire of any given modern political ideology. And working on those two things sporadically throughout the week has been like my artistic outlet that has really sort of invigorated me. Now the sketches and the, and the, comedy that I do and the games that I post on TikTok and basically everything I post is a it's a machine yep I love it I love what I do but uh there are a lot of cogs now there's a lot of people that I do work with and a lot of it is micromanaging it's uh just sort of determining the direction it's making sure people stay on task and on point and yeah it's it's not artistically driven the the actual amount of allotted time i spend writing stand-up is very limited now i know i'm still mostly known as a as a stand-up but uh look that's the nature of the beast and um it's part of me that thinks you're always sort of chasing this chimera thinking oh one day if i if i have enough of a swell of support i can just do stand-up i can just be an actor i can just be a filmmaker but uh, that never happens because everything you sort of try to do to get to that point actually just uh, increases the business operations, doesn't it? So even podcasting, when I started doing this, it was, oh, you need content. And so who would I want to do a podcast with? Probably Jordan. That would be pretty sick. Um, and, you know, the, why did I start that weekly show? It was like, oh, I just need content. And like, how do I create content with comedians 
while still giving a platform for stand-up comedians to be seen and slowly eating away at the uh, you know monopoly that mainstream media has on the Australian comedy scene. Well, I can employ some of those panel show style games, but again, that's just more like business business thinking and energy that is required. And I, again, I do love it. I enjoy it. I don't think I'm completely uh, void of any business acumen. Like when I was younger, I always had sort of You're definitely weird not. entrepreneurial ideas. And yep. I, I know how to like structure something well mm, and like mm. think about the future. Mm. Having mm. said that, I think I still do think that like what really makes me happy and what really invigorates me is, is like creating good art. Um, and... Yeah, I, I find it very interesting and challenging, but also uh, enriching to sort of seesaw between these two different facets of what I'm doing and, and, and who I am. Is that something? Is that why you're reading these business management books? Is it because I know you're looking for people as well. It said on your second channel, you're looking for people to, is it to edit for you, produce for you. And you just sort of said, what can you do for me? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Friendly Geordies of podcast.com if you're interested. Uh yes. Uh man, that's 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 it's kind of hitting the same notes as me. It's just I have no business acumen at all. Look, you clearly do. I don't think you you always undersell yourself, you know. You always talk about when uh oh, I talk to politicians and lawyers and they're just oh they're way smarter than me. Like, don't yeah, of course. Like you don't want to sit here and talk about how amazing you are or anything like that. But you could, to have gotten to where you've gotten to, you're obviously a very intelligent man. Like you don't have to. No, 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 no. But I, I look. A lot of what I will say is, I think honestly, it's not that. It's you know what I am. I'm a very obsessive man. I don't think I'm a very intelligent man. I think that I just have the uncanny ability of being able to focus on one subject for years at a time. And I think that. What I do have, what I will say is this, I think I have leadership skills, but I don't have business skills. That's the whole thing. I think that I am good at articulating a vision, which really is just a leader. And I think as a result of that, people are attracted to the vision that I am putting out and they say, you know, I can add this, I can add that. And it's they interesting. all- It's interesting you say that because I think I have decent sort of managerial and business skills, but I'm not good at like, I have visions in my head, but I always, I, I'm just, I can't, I always just feel like I'm being a swami real estate agent whenever I speak passionately about a business vision. Yeah, no, because it's you, you, again, being a builder, management comes natural to you. That's your home. That's, that's where builders yeah. are home. They are home at, you know what they're, they're really good at doing? They're really good at looking at a machine that already exists and being like, I can make that run well. You know, that's a manager. A manager is amazing at just being like, I'm going to spring that sprocket there. Like even the way that you were discussing how you deal with your employees, like with my employees, it's always just like they come up to me and they're just like, hey, I've got like this idea and stuff. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, hey, don't bother me. Just go do that. You know, like they they, they just mm. work in their own universe and they okay. do whatever they do. And then somehow it all works together. And I think it's the only thing that is holding us all together is the vision. That's it. It's just, we're all on the same page when it comes to the cause, right? But I think that with you, for instance, 
the, the fact that you are able to sit there and be like, all right, I need to see what they're doing at this point. I need to see what they're doing at this point. What are they up to? Checking in on them all the time, making sure that they're on task. Yes or no, yes or no, because you can become very uh, officious in that regard and, and actually be of detriment to yes. certain personality types. And I've started to realize that as well. And if anything, it sounds like you and I have the the you know the opposing ideals for the uh, ultimate business management you know if you could sort of like have a bit more of my managerial capabilities and if i could have more of your just like obsessive vision focused uh, uh significance maybe that would be the ideal it would be the ideal However, that's not going to happen. That's true. Like no, you, both, you yes. are who you are. That's and that's something that I think as a result of this podcast, and it's actually a very interesting experience, kind of like a, a side bonus of it. I feel like I know you very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, like I think there's probably you – and my girlfriend. That's it. Those are the people that I know. Well, what well. do you know about me? What do you- it's like I know how your brain works. Like I know, like anything that you say to me now, I swear to God, I am very rarely surprised. Like I might be surprised about the content of it, but I'm not surprised about how you came to that conclusion. I'm like, that's, that's a enough, very Neil thought, you know. And I think that that's probably the same as what you've got with me because we've just been like basically just uh, again like failed undergrads in a dude therapy podcast for years at this point, it's very obvious like how our minds operate. And the thing is you can't get out of manager. Manager is like, it's like one of the many faces of Neil, right? But it's one that comes naturally to you. Yeah. And you can't get out of visionary, can you? No, Mm. can't. And like, that's the whole thing. Everybody is always saying to me, like, you know, do these tasks. You have to get this done on time. That's always happening to me. And as soon as that happens, I'm just like, get the fuck out of my face. All right, get out, get out. Just go over there and mysteriously do whatever you do for your paycheck. I don't even know what it is at this point. Like that's, that's my existence, just mm-hmm. being obsessed. And like anyone, this is why I still have the dumb phone to this day. I was just very lucky about that. Any of these books by like Callum Newport or whatever, just talking about how detrimental the smartphone is to the human brain. That was just naturally... A, a thing that came to me where I was just like, I'm losing too much time on this as opposed to just obsessing over the one comment that I have. So now, and this is something that people always say, and they're always just saying that it's just like a thing of whatever the word is for like neuro atypical or whatever is just the fact that now I suppose everybody in my organization now works as this one cohesive brain. And I feel like I'm just always being pushed around in certain directions while I'm just obsessively trying to tinker on this being like, but I don't want to go to Rockhampton. Like that, that happens to me a lot now. Right. So it's just like, that is something that does not change. All I think that you can do is at least be aware of how other people operate, you know? And then I think that a good, and these are the things where there is crossover between leadership and management. A good manager is good at, as, as well as a good leader, what they are good at is recognizing what the resources they have at their disposal in terms of human resources and putting them into their most efficient role. Yes. 
That is true. That is very apt, actually. And I do also think it's being aware of what you may inherently think is the best practice in organizing and or leading a given organization and understanding that they may just be for you and for your inner world to feel satisfied. And I actually had a conversation with uh, um, a mate of mine who was saying like, okay, you're very, you know, I always need to have these kind of meetings and say, all right, this is what we're doing today. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need you to do for me. And in my mind, I always thought, all right, this is the, this is obviously something that's beneficial for the sake of the productivity of this given organization. But someone was quite stark in saying like, Hey, we, you know, we, we're happy to do all this, but this is, this is for you. Like you just feel better when you sit there and like have this kind of like clear indication of exactly what is happening and how it's going to be done. And we've realized that and we comply because we ultimately still have faith in what you're doing and what we're all doing. And that was actually quite a stark realization. Like I need to be humble in the face of what I may perceive to be the appropriate uh, action or course of said action in, in managing or leading a team of people. I think I had a very similar realization with relationships in that okay, what I may feel is the best expression of my love or my commitment may not necessarily objectively be the best expression of my love and or commitment. And therefore I need to be more in tune with uh, my brain in response to what I guess my gut or my heart may be telling me to do. Does that make sense? So you're saying that there is like a, a direct crossover between your love life and your professional life that you've identified. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it's the same because uh, it's, it's a it's, core thing of you. Yeah. Exactly. And it's where you're operating at your most, in many ways, you're most vulnerable. You put a, a lot of effort and significance into this given relational uh, endeavor. And as a result, your inner, you know, your, your in, intrinsic personality and proclivities will come out. You need to be aware of those and where those may lead you and the people around you astray. Mm. Mm. very good that's cool see this is this is i think all that you can really aim for is just sort of like uh knowing knowing yourself better and knowing the people around you better and i think that that's the only way that you can kind of make machinery work better the other thing that i think that you would probably find a lot a lot better is kind of just like instead of focusing on uh you know how to how to attain this is the whole thing right this is what i'm learning about a business a business really is an organism that's what's happening there it's kind of just like you know instead of just being the liver asking to do the lungs job or being more like the lungs, just understand that you're the liver. Yeah, no, that's, a good, that's the perfect metaphor. It's the perfect metaphor, isn't it? And so as a result of that, if you're very aware of yourself and what your strengths are, and I think you've already identified it, marketing is definitely one of yours, definitely. Um, yes and no. The other one I think is, yeah, like if you, if you read a couple of books like The One Minute Manager, 
and a few books on management so that you can kind of just like stroke better. Like say, it's just like that, right? Like, it's just like, I'm good at breaststroke. I'm going to get a coach that knows how to perfect the technique of breaststroke. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you need someone who is that manager uh, yang to your ying? Well, this is the interesting thing that I learned about the Tony Robbins business mastery, right? Was he was one of the main things that he was talking about in the business seminar was there are three types of people in the world. And when I look at the core staff of Friendly Geordies, it really does reflect this. And you will probably have that in your own organization. And anyone who is thinking of building an organization know that this is where you should naturally be moving towards. But usually what happens is, he's always saying this, and he was saying, everybody in the audience, raise your hands, which of these you identify with more, like artist, manager, entrepreneur, right? And he was saying that you can see it, like probably 75% of the people in the audience that uh, started a business artists then it was managers and then very very few entrepreneur people like identified really? as an entrepreneur would say that huh i would have said that what entrepreneur what do you mean well because to me that's sort of like the synthesis of both artistry and management well it definitely it's is like having a vision and then sort of like you know, you, you know having the appropriate uh logical mathematical and organizational skills to enact that vision and make it sustainable and build it to a certain degree that is optimal. Well, yeah, like they, they definitely have that trait of them, but the, the main, that's, that's like, that's the mechanics of what an entrepreneur does, but their talent, their talent is identifying other talent. You know, like they're the people that are able to say, that's a business that I should be investing in. That's a person that I should be investing in. They're the people that kind of just look around at the world and think, yeah, a bit of that and mix that together. A bit kind of like chefs, actually. Now, when I look at it in the Friendly Geordies context, started by me, artist, I saw something that I thought, no, they're doing it the wrong way. I want to be doing my own thing and I want to be doing it better. And I think that that was accomplished. And I think as a result of that, an entrepreneur and a manager were naturally brought towards me. So my chief editor, who I can't, I'm not allowed to use his name, but he, <laughs> why? Cause he's always <laughs> just like, I don't want to get involved in this cop shit. And fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know who it is, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he is a manager. He is always ringing up everyone and he just naturally does this and saying, what task are you working on at the moment? When can we film? When is this supposed to be edited? He's always like any interpersonal relationship problems in the organization, he's always in the middle of it and it's always just like you sort it out and he does sort it out. You know, whereas like any interpersonal relationship thing with me, I'm just like, I don't have fucking time to deal with this. Just fuck off. And then I just like keep going back to work. Right. Was like you, I was just like endlessly working. Huh? Well, don't you think that sort of comes down to what you would have learned in your relationship reading, which is that you have avoidant tendencies? Yes. There's a combination of those things, obviously. Like it's just like I'm, I'm building on that as well. But it's also, I think, a thing of... uh. You know, artists have their little pure vision 
And it's the same thing when you see the chefs in Gordon Ramsay and they just want to be experimenting and being in their own little world. And the whole thing is if you're like a, creativity really comes from loneliness. Like you, you yeah. really have to be alone to come up with something purely creative, right? And so I'm always just sitting there in my own little universe combining all of these ideas and then someone comes up to me and it's just like, you're a shit cunt for these reasons or like this person's being mean to me and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really? yeah, fuck off. You know, like I just – it breaks the train of thought so I don't want to listen to it. And so he just naturally does that, right? Now, Christo, who's the other like core tenement of Friendly Geordies, he is an entrepreneur. That man has a natural inclination to go out and be like endlessly talk to, you know, some boomer that's had – uh, you know, a bee in his bonnet for 30 years and listen to them and see if they've got something of value. And then he'll come back and say, this person is interesting. Let's do a story on him. Let's interview him. Or he's just scouring the internet all the time and being like, this is trending. You should be doing something on this, right? Like he is very good at picking out talent. He's good at just being like, this person has something of value and this person has something of value and we can put those people together. And this person has something of value and that person has something of value and they could be doing something together. That's what an entrepreneur does. They're just essentially an entrepreneur is a very good investor. And a manager is something that like builds a machine to work optimally and efficiently the whole time. And an artist kind of like builds the machine in the first place. And like a lot of their machines just don't work because that's the nature of creativity. So those are the three things yeah, there are right and like everybody has okay. little elements of those in themselves yeah know? yeah i mean everyone's a combination of all three to some degree but i wouldn't have sort of pictured an entrepreneur or someone like that who can sort of uh, build the appropriate social connections and develop talent i would have always sort of envisioned the entrepreneur to be one of the talented ones to be like I said, the synthesis of the artist and the manager, the, the person who has the creative vision and can optimize that to work within a given system and be sustainable. That well, which is, is what right. they're doing, which is precisely what they're doing. I, I would have thought, of, well, I guess manager more in the talent manager sense would be the sort of person who's like a, looking at, hey, that person, that person is underutilized in their res in their ability to produce we want them in their organization that that seems more like a i don't know like some kind of like a hr person or a talent scout or something like that yeah well like a talent scout that's a very because this is the whole thing right like you're thinking about entrepreneur in the more modern sense of what it's like it's come to understand which is that it's uh you know somebody that you know, went out on their own and they started their own business and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, yeah, that's that, that's definitely how I see it. Yes, but an entrepreneur, like like the word comes from somebody who's like endeavoring upon something new, bringing something exciting, you know? Okay. Like that's the kind of person. So really what they were originally doing is, and when they're talking about, this is why it's like kind of moved into that. It's like they're talking about something where they're, bringing about businesses that fill a very specific niche. So I can't remember the guy. I think his name's Mark Cuban, but Tony Robbins is always talking about him as like the ultimate entrepreneur. And he was somebody who realized that 
sport being televised is very limited and satellite TV was coming around. And so he realized, oh, okay, I can create pay-per-view, you know? So these are all existing businesses that already exist. And he's just merged a bunch of businesses together. So satellite TV existed, like, you know, the basketball industry existed, pay-per-view, the technology existed. And he was something that was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, those things could work. Is that how he got rich? He created paper. Did he create like main event? I think something like that. Such a, you know, when you hear these people who are multi-billionaires that, yeah, this was the idea they came up with. Like, oh, so simple, you know? Oh, just pay to watch the fight. Yes. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yes. <laughs> but that's it. That They're the yeah, people that yeah, see those right, things that yeah. like in retrospect, you're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, so I think that they all have their roles in a organization and it's a very good way of looking at people from that point on. And so that's what I'm always looking at now is anytime that I'm ever hiring someone, I'm always thinking, don't really need any more artists. I've got more than enough of those. Uh, I'm always looking for entrepreneurs and managers. Yeah. Because they're like entrepreneurs in our game. They're the ones that kind of see where trends are going before they go there. Yes. Entrepreneurs and, and managers are very rare in the arts because it's not the sort of industry that a manager type person gets into. No. No. So they are very valuable, uh, but they're very far and few in between. No, because, yeah, managers, you know, you, you're finding a rare breed because they just like order so much. And <laughs> if you're in the creative industry, there's no order. Yeah, that's why I think, you know, you you talk to a lot of, like, girls in the North Shore in their early 20s and, and you're like, what do you do? Like, oh, I'm a producer for Channel 10. There's just like this horde of producers for mainstream TV channels. What are they doing? They're all just like this giant coalition of managers that just manage every little facet of their multi-million dollar programming, such as The Bachelor. Because, it would, you know, it's not that easy to coordinate a show like that. You know, you wrangle the talent and wrangle all the other people involved there and the, the crew and make sure the filming is correct. And there's so much footage there. You'd have to just, it would be such an ordeal just uh data wrangling all of that and getting it adequately to the editor and you can't you can't fuck up you can't lose any footage in those shows no so you just need like constant manager upon manager upon manager a fail safe here a fail safe there they're backups upon backups upon backups max and daniel always make fun of me like oh neil you just got a backup for everything and then you got this fail safe for that and you go i'm like yeah i do but trust me, you, that happens because you fucked up previously and you realize, okay, you need like a backup to this and then you need a backup to that backup. And then you need like, you know, even we've been doing this podcast, I think I've actually re- like you've realized the way I operate and I've realized the way you've operated. And I just now, like, that's why there's been, there's just now so many guests on the podcast because. I'm very ordered and and structured and half the time you're like, oh, I can't do it this week or whatever. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. I'll just get a guest. And that just works seamlessly. Yeah. It's good. See, this is the whole thing. This is, this is what. They hate Max. (laughs) They hate Max. (laughs) Stop hating on Max. He's he's, He's a little boy. He's a good dude. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, but that's that's the whole thing. It's just like, yeah, yeah, your your see that's that's the thing. The machine, the machine exists, and your like, joy in life comes from it running smoothly. No, see, yes, no, no, it's not not it's joy. It's like it's like the way your brain, yeah, like, like it's, it's like it's just like thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's I like joy is the wrong word. I don't it's feel like, good unless I've done all the tasks I've set out to do for that day. Yeah, and also, but I think it's that. It's also the thing of like, uh, there's, I, I actually let's put it this way, yeah, all right. There's pain from seeing. I guess in your mind, any task that isn't getting completed is like listening to a tap that's dripping. That's you know, perfect. and then you just get like a force. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's actually just perfect. Uh, and for you, I guess anytime you're not able to obsess over the thing that it's your life's mission to obsess over, that would probably be that same tab dripping. Yeah. But like, I, I would say it like this, man, like it's, it's, it's like this for me. There's your tap dripping. That's me. Like I, I, I don't notice when any. there's another thing. Yeah, but I'm saying for the, for the thing that you're obsessing over, if you're unable to do that, if you were suddenly had to do something else for two weeks and not look at politics at all, I'd imagine that would be quite. It would just be. It might not be torture, but you'd just be so unfulfilled. No, because this is the this is the way that I've structured my mind to work, and I think this is just a result of self help. I think it's the most important question you can ever ask yourself one of the there's there's actually three that i think uh but one of the main ones that i think you should always be asking is how can i use this and if you're thinking that then no time ever is wasted because you're just utilizing it as well as you possibly can and it especially works for someone like me because it's just like oh okay i can't be talking about the thing that i'm obsessing out at the moment all right i'll just talk to this person about the thing that i'm obsessing about you know, and then just able to like structure my thoughts better and things. And so I think that, and then the other thing is, this is just how my brain works. I've realized it's like, if I am not allowed to focus on one thing, then my brain just starts focusing on whatever it is there. And then I just start wanting to get to the core of whatever that thing is. I'm always just trying to figure out how something works at its most minute atomic level ever. That's, that's, that's always where I'm trying to go with something. So it's like, you know, anything that's in front of me, I'm kind of just like, oh, yeah, okay. But you just tune everything else out. So, uh, again, it's a very artist way of looking at the world it's kind of just like wanting artists and this is something that tony robbins is always saying this is a a, a classic problem of a business they fall in love with the product and not the customer and i think this is something that entrepreneurs have very well is that they understand that the customer is always right like entrepreneurs by nature are always thinking what does the customer want right and artists are always focusing on the product. That's because yeah, they're producing yeah. something. So in a, in, a, in a modern context, look, an artist is always thinking about the 
the creative elements of the content and the entrepreneur is thinking, all right, what trends can we uh, observe that has that that have led to the highest view count, and how can we recreate and or improve on that in our next video? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, but the, see, I don't have. There's a, still a lot of artists in me because, like, the idea of that just like kills me. What to just think about views and nothing else. Well, like, see, every th- time I think about views, I'm like. Oh, I got to do this. Okay, I'll do this one just because I think it'll get views, and then I even feel bad after I've done it. See, this is what I'm saying. You're saying that uh, an entrepreneur is kind of like the merger of a manager and artist. I think a manager is the convergence of an entrepreneur and an artist. You think so? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Because they, they're, they're the ones that are actually dealing with both of them in the first place. But but managerial skills is so antithetical to artists. To creative, well, there's there's because there's, the, they want the product to be implemented and they want the entrepreneurial oversight of like the direction of where something's going to be implemented. So sure. they're in both worlds. Yeah, that like extra added element of artistry that comes with it. But I feel like most of it is just being the manager, and then that that needs to get sorted first, and then if there's the availability to be creative on top of that, then I, I guess you integrate the entrepreneur into that. And and I will say like the when I've been personally, when I've been the most fulfilled and happy, it's when I've like tasks have been completed. And then there's the ability to think beyond those tasks creatively, think about expansion. And then also when all tasks are completed or like when a business is sort of like, you know, I had the vision. I had a, a a small vision to do sort of like regular shows everywhere, and uh, not have to be restricted by like solo stand up shows and just two of them through festivals. And then when I did that, I was like, well, "What the fuck? Like this is boring now." So there's like an element of that to it, but I don't know if I would agree in saying that. Okay, okay, because like I know a lot of people who are just purely manager types, and there's like there's nothing. I would never consider them to be an artist. Well, that's the whole thing. They're- they're paid to do that. Mm, true, and they don't. They probably don't enjoy it. Don't you think? I was thinking about this the other day. Like the a mum is like the ultimate manager. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being a micromanager can often bring, if particularly if you're not, if you don't have a proclivity to be that sort of builder structured type person, and 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 you want to live in the moment. It'll. It's just. It destroys your sense of self and your just general happiness and. Don't you think you kind of see that with, say, a lot of mums who maybe were quite ambitious and would have wanted to pursue a career but maybe did, you know, still live in a society that said, uh, okay, you have to be at home or it was just through chance that the the husband went on to do more work and she stayed at home and it just absolutely, like, that's why there were housewives in the 50s just getting drunk all the time and there probably still are housewives today just doing coke all day because they're not stimulated being a manager. It's not something for people who are like not just hyper-intelligent but uh, hyper-creative. It's just like the day-to-day laborious grind of like i got to get up at this time, i got to make breakfast for the for Timmy and then i got to make, you know, i got to buy shoes for Sarah and then i got to drop them off by this time and then i got to be home and have some time for myself. And then it's just like this, imagine – decades of that how much that's going to just like completely rewire your brain and 
And then, you know, you meet people who have been mums for 20, 30 years and, then, and it's like that's exactly what you'd expect. But do you think that they, what, do you think that they always hated being that? Maybe not hated, but uh, maybe didn't, you know, couldn't fully, fully comprehend the, like, incessant need to manage at all hours of the day and how draining that may be. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Look, it's definitely, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. That is the role of a mum. But that's the whole thing. I think usually there's two types of people that are uh, that are managers. And it's usually estrogen because they have extremely good interpersonal skills. And that's very important in managing. And then, of course, there's people like you that are high in serotonin. And that is because they like things being a well-oiled machine. They like seeing things ticking over. So that's the kind of thing <laughs> that attracts them. When you, say it like that. you reckon? Everything needs to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely. It's, it's definitely the types of people that go true. into it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you know. <laughs> Don't you think artists today kind of have to have those sort of managerial skills, particularly if they've broadened the scope of what they're doing and they maybe built, you know, an, enough of a brand to have other people on board? Gone are the days where, if, unless you're like hyper successful, like just gone are the days where you're, like, you're, we were talking about this before the podcast. Like, there are were actual there are managers out there, but a, a lot of managers are clearly just like conniving middlemen who just want to make a quick buck and congratulate themselves for the achievements of the artists thinking, yeah, I did that. And for the, there are great managers out there, but I do really think the vast majority of them are just, well, they're managers. And only if you are a really famous artist, do you need that? Uh, but yeah, you know, the independent sort of social media based artists today they don't have the luxury of being able to give away, you know, a, a, quite often a substantial portion of their income to a manager who would be doing, obviously it's in their name, the managerial task. They have to manage everything themselves. And that, that you know, they're basically like a sole trader tradie in many ways. Like they're just having to do a lot of invoicing, a lot of emailing, a lot of organizing, a lot of scheduling. And how much time do they actually have left for the art? Well, that, that's on them. Like that's on how efficient they are in managing their their business operation but uh i was talking to a musician friend the other day and he 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 had a similar sort of sentiment he was saying like well i'm basically a tradie i i have a trade it's an artistic trade i know it's a skill that i've continually refined and developed and i have various clients i'm always looking for new clients and you know i'm trying to kind of manage all of these clients and and, yep. and the cash flow and all of this and, and yep. just continually like think about how I can market my product in a in a in a world that it definitely has no shortage of artists trying to get themselves out there and 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 um win over clients. So how how much scope is there in today's world to even be an artist? Arguably there's more scope to be an artist and a creative type in what would traditionally be perceived as a non-creative industry. 
you know, there's a in the corporate world, they're always talking about like we need creativity. And if, if you've sort of gotten to a certain point there, you probably could get like some sort of role where you could just do whatever you want, which would actually be a very sort of creatively stimulating path. Look, you're not wrong about anything that you just said then. Absolutely not. But I think that like you 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 definitely are looking at it a very managerial way. Like nothing that you said is completely wrong, but like everything you said I don't think about. <laughs> right. But it, that's the whole thing. You the the ultimate business has that brain thinking about those things. And so I don't I don't, I don't know how to like alleviate that for you though. It kind of just sounds like a very huh? I'm not necessarily why am I trying I'm not trying to alleviate it. What are you? Well, I don't know. It just sounds to me anyway, like as soon as you started talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Jesus. The cat got caught on your headphones. Jeez. As soon as you start talking about those things of like, you know, you need to cuz it's like when when you just said for instance, I've got to schedule things. Uh you know, like the, you've got to be organized. You've got to be seeing when people are doing things. I've never thought about those things in my entire life. Not once. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't need to like, you know, look over exactly what task everyone is doing, but just need to make sure things get done, you know, so there's follow-ups and whatnot. Mm. And, and it's about sort of habit forming more than anything. You know, as you mm. would know, in any self-help concept, it's at first a habit is going to feel like work. And you may not even, you may not even fully comprehend the uh, benefits of said habit. You just have to trust the wisdom within this book or within the, this particular form of wisdom, and just try to implement that habit to the point where it becomes second nature. And I'm sort of, I guess, um, taking on that kind of a mindset, but now not just with myself and with a small group of people and trying to instill good habits. And to do so, sometimes there needs to be just reminders, I guess. I'm not like looking over people with like a watchful eye though. I'm not trying to, you know, micromanage every little facet of what they do. But it like it, it, even even the the idea that you have to do those things that's what I'm saying, right? Like you're just you're you're looking at business in that way, which is a vital aspect of a business, absolutely vital to make sure that things are actually produced, is huge. But it really does seem to be your strength. It's the way that your brain naturally moves towards it, because all I ever think about ever is content, and that's fucking it. And like when you talk about Things of just like, I don't know, I don't have, I, I, I can't focus on stand-up until I get those things done. Like to me, I'm just like, someone else will do it. And then I just focus right. on stand-up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, many ways I'm envious of that, but because I want to be able to focus on, I got to this point by thinking like if I can do these certain things, then I can focus on, well, you know, I felt like just focusing on content wasn't getting me to the point where I, would like to be and so I think I just naturally gravitated towards 
other avenues. Well, isn't that interesting? It's kind of like at some point when you get too successful, it becomes its own beast. You become a slave to the thing that you have built. To an extent, definitely, definitely. The last time I completely focused on content and had just blinded onto everything else was was modern education. And this is like by far the most like impactful piece of content I've ever created. And I spent nine months like habitually like obsessing over every little punctuation in that script. And why was that? Because I you was just, just felt so passionate. I was so passionate about it and wanted to create that. And it's always evident in the views, isn't it? It's always evident that you put a lot of effort into this and so you get rewarded for it. Yeah. And I just can't do – like I'm – one, I don't really have anything that I'm as passionate about anymore that I can articulate in an artistic way that's sort of appropriate for my medium. But two – it's just built to a point where I just, I cannot, I do not have the time to do. I mean, it's also just like, a, a, I was 21 living at home. It's just like other responsibilities I have that I just can't even like do that anymore. What if you got a manager to manage? I have definitely thought of that and it is on the, it is like a medium term goal. It is like, it is definitely a medium term goal. And it's about me managing everything so efficiently so that the cash flow is sufficient enough to then bring upon a manager type person. Hmm. So it's about me just like managing things for a bit longer to get that other manager there. Mm, mm. Yeah, but then the other the, thing is like, do you, do you even want to not manage it? No, I still want to, I, I still want to have a role in managing. Yeah, obviously. But, but like I'm saying that like, it, it, it seems this. to me that that seems to be your, I suppose it's your area of focus, but you're not like as uh Happy about it? Oh, I just think it's like a necessary step in the evolution. Yes, of what I'm so it's not like so. You, you enjoyed more than nine months of focusing on modern education. Mm, no, not necessarily. But I can just clearly see like the product at the end of that was the most fruitful I've ever artistically created. Yeah. And not only that, I also do think like it's just a matter of like the the system that I'm part of, like the the of social media has also just become hungry for a, a greater quantity of content. You know, even when you started, you were posting one video a week, or maybe one every two weeks. Even I think when you started, it was even less than that. All of the guys like Frenchie, me, all like no one was posting once a week was a lot. It's also it's also hungry for quality of content though. Yeah, but it's yeah, uh, but how many people do you know that are posting say like one or two pieces of content a year and nothing else? Like that's just unheard of. There's artists who are maybe coming out with an album on a on a on a rare you know like every three four years or something, but like they are so in tune with uh you know the the news cycle and like the I, I guess specifically the celebrity music news cycle and they have a team working on their social media and i guess keeping them relevant if you will and their image and their brand itself carries them through yeah and that doesn't it's just not like with a comedian there's not really like someone who is so enigmatic that their personality just sort of carries them through lulls in their artistic production. I mean, like the closest example is someone like 
Russell Brand, who is actually just posting a video every day now anyway. Hmm. Hmm. Which is actually why I think that there is such a hunger for, because I have definitely noticed this. Well, it's not me that noticed it. It was obviously my team that noticed it. But they're saying that. Was it Christo? Yes. And also, to his credit, a former editor of mine. But they noticed that the cycle was moving away from the daily upload model and towards the, you know, feature documentary or, you know, like the, the big event, the wow. I guess more Mr. Beastie content, which is, you know, just this huge larger than life thing. Yeah, look, he's a – okay, yeah, no, he's a, he's a very good example of someone who has done that and has maintained a sort of what would normally be considered a very infrequent upload schedule for someone of that caliber. So credit to him. And it's the largest in the world. What I'm saying is, and the thing is, he has like a massive team behind him. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it just seems to me like. Does it really matter to you? Because this is something that actually my girlfriend was saying as well. Because I was just saying like, fuck, I'm sick to death. Especially around the election. I'm sick to death of politics. But like, I don't know if I could ever like go out of it because of just, you know, it clearly gets so many more views. But it's just like, sometimes I just need to do a skit. I need to just focus on something else for my brain to just think about something else other than Scott Morrison, you know. And... uh Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I get sick of him too. Uh, and then she was just saying, yeah, well, then just do them, but don't expect like views or for it to be a business move. This is just you creatively venting, which is, and this is the ironic thing, art. Anything that's like it's 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 best saying it's money kills art and it's so true. It's just like as soon as something gets turned into a business, it's a product. Essentially, what you're making, essentially what you're making, essentially what I'm making is a McDonald's burger. Now we're making different types of McDonald's burgers, but we're just making the same thing over and over again because that's what the customer wants, right? Uh, as soon as you start being an artist, it's like a lot of that is not going to have any economic utility at all. And you've spent years making something with economic utility, figured out the formula of what people want, and then they come and get that. Then all of a sudden you've just said, all right, I've just made this thing. And it's like, okay, no one's watching it and it has no economic utility. And I think it's just good to register in your mind that you need to do that but that is not the business, which is a very strange thought when I've realized like, okay, I started friendly, and this is something that Tony Robbins was talking about as well in the business seminar. I started Friendly Geordies because I wanted to create something that I you know, thought was not, like everything else that was close to it, I thought was just much poorer quality. And I was just like, it, it should be better than that. Essentially, like the product should be better than that. Yeah. Now that's happened and people want that product. 
So all of a sudden, it's no longer a creative itch anymore. I'm not creating anything. That thing exists. People want that. Yeah. So after a while, you realize, all right, I would, I came to be an artist because I just thought, you know, fuck like how these people are doing it. I want to do it this way. I don't want to be tied down by a job or whatever. And eventually your business kind of becomes your employee. This strange exactly entity. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the cycle of a business. But the whole point is, and this is, depends on you, Neil, as to whether you're an artist or a manager and you like what, what you get more joy out of, an artist should be aiming to move themselves out of the business so they can start another business and get that creative itch going. Or they portion a part of their life to just being like, I'm just going to make these creative things and it doesn't matter if there's any... Yes, I've already done product. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've I've got plans to move away from what I've created, but also uh, to have a creative outlet. I think that's very important for uh, yeah, artistically minded people. And it, you know, to add to what you were saying before, when when what was originally an artistic vision becomes systematized, the artist loses their you know the nous and the 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 zeal in creating what would have otherwise been really sort of like the, the at the forefront of their mind they're not, they're not putting like a hundred percent effort into it and that actually diminishes the business itself because like the overall product that people have come to love then loses even if it's just a slight amount of quality because the artist is not as energized in in creating what they want to create true and you know, but no, no, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that's very strange about that. Yeah, it doesn't have that same flair. And maybe like people won't be enthused about it because there's not that same level of enthusiasm. So people aren't going to enjoy it much. But when it becomes a product, it just it ever just expands. Yeah. It just keeps expanding. And people are less enthused about it, but it becomes more and more profitable because it's more and more what people want. More just like starts flying off the shelf because it's just like, I want this, you know? Like, And the thing is, this is the whole point of business at the core of it, right? Customers always right. Yeah. You know? So you just feed it to them. But the whole thing is when an artist comes up with something new and flashy, everyone's very excited about it or like a, a small core of people are very excited about it because they recognize like this is something special and unique. Yeah. But it doesn't keep producing itself, which is just the uh, very unromantic mechanisms of capitalism that Marx so correctly identified, you know, like it'll just keep for ever the, expanding. For the artist and the producer, yes. Huh? For the people involved in the business, sure. But what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, if you take it on, you know, on a on a mass collective, now even global level, that continual expansion and continual thirst for profit does have its merits in create in like forcing businesses to create like, you know, optimizing for efficiency and every other competitor also optimizing for efficiency and overall bringing costs down and things like that but yeah that's also deeply flawed as well and it's deeply flawed for the initial artist who came up with said invention and or product 
look, there's times I look back on what I, you know, when I had a, a formula or like a, a series of videos that were, you know, hitting a certain, hitting certain nail, creative nails. And then uh, I immediately wanted to just dissociate from that. And like the, <laughs> the times of like pissed off the audience by doing stuff like that. But, uh, part of me thought it was like, Oh, like this romantic bohemian ideal. But now I don't know if that was just me being kind of stupid. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Usually people, as they get older, maybe move towards more of that business minded self, but that also could just be they like the, the conditions of their life are just like forcing them to become that way. Like if you've got a family, you've got a mortgage, you know, you can't afford to be that much of an artist. Can you, 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 you know, you have to, you have to have consistency. You have to know what is coming in to a certain degree. And it sounds like you're moving towards that part of your life as well. Like you're looking for houses with two, aren't you? And, you know, maybe you'll have kids one day and like you, you have to keep the customer happy. You have to keep the cash flow coming in consistently. Unless, you know, sure, if you've, if you've sort of moved away from the business, like that's the ideal, isn't it? Like you've created something and then you're able to kind of dissociate it from from it to a certain degree but still have like creative input and in the way it goes that that and then also yeah receive some of the profits like that is the ideal which is something that actually one of my uh i totally agree with everything you said but uh that's something that my one of my subscribers on my uh, self-help channel was talking about, which is ideally what you should be doing as an artist is realizing, okay, I can't escape that, for lack of a word, capitalist model, right? It's, it is an inevitability of reality. Um, what you can hope for, though, is just realizing that within every artist, there are multiple businesses. So you can get your creative streak out of all these different products that you're creating because i think that that's a massive thing about artists is like okay uh, some people get their variety from i don't know survival bushwalks like fucking bear grills or something like that and some people get it from like driving really fast cars uh and then artists get variety i think from like thinking about different ideas in their head and merging them together and if you're doing that in like six yeah. different ways, huh? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is honestly where I get my kicks in life is just that. Just Same. being in my own head and like watching ideas kind of like dance and animate to life and being like, what if I added that? And, you know, that that's that's the kicks. Well, I like these podcasts so much, you know. It's, it's where, where, you know, we're toying with those ideas and, and even though we're sort of sometimes going down similar paths, it's never like an idea identical route and no something has always changed whether it's in our personal lives or the world at large to explore it in a slightly different way and it's very it's it's very enthralling and similarly when creating art when it when it feels like there's a deadline and something has to be done and and that is annoying, but I also do feel like it is part of a bigger picture that I'm working towards in, yes, I guess, systematizing something that fulfills 
a, a niche and I guess to use those kind of terms, a gap in the market and then ultimately moving not entirely away from that, but away in some respect to, to then focus on something else creative and in, 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 on a new creative endeavor. I like, I like that idea now because I was unsure. Like I didn't know, you know, like maybe two years ago we did that podcast, like where do you see yourself at age 50? And I had that very adamant idea that I want to create a stand up special that is one of the best. I don't, it, it's, that's no longer the case. I don't know what like my ultimate aim is for the next 20 to 30 years, which is probably when you're going to have like the most productive capability actually as an artist. It's just any creator, really. And so I think at least like jumping from like creating, like hmm. defining new creative niches in an ever-changing digital media landscape, being able to like engender the systematization of those new niches, making that sustainable, handing most of those reins over to someone else who can then has more of that business acumen and then moving on to the next creative endeavor. That actually sounds very compelling to me. Mm. It's actually, it's actually what you should really be doing actually. Yeah. Well, you and you've just, do, you've, you've got like much more too. of a different, huh? I think you should be doing that too, because you have that kind of mindset. Well, yes, and it's interesting to think that you can get there at different arrivals, but I think knowing the the main mechanisms of how business operates so that you can move there quicker is the way to do it. But I think that that's, that that's this is the conclusion, I suppose, of this podcast is that you should really be trying to identify yourself and what your strengths are. Uh, I think that that artist manager entrepreneur way is a really good way of identifying which of those you should be. And I think that the next stage after that is just understanding wider what a business does and then using your special traits to get it to there as quickly as possible and then delegate everything that isn't your strength to someone else Definitely. so you can get it there as quickly as possible. Yeah, the delegation is key and it's and in its own an way so it's like it's their baby to then start delegating parts of that but like oh, always it's like always it's, like a massive point of conflict but like if you could get over that yeah you need to start start to get over that and if someone can do it uh it was in the book i read it was like if someone can do it 80 percent as well as you can you can delegate that that actually is, i never it's thought beautiful. of it that way but i'm like oh, yeah then i'm so true that's that's actually a really good way of thinking about it. no one's ever going to do it as well, in your mind, it's perfect as you do it, right? But this which is the is whole thing. Your ego or whatever, but like, yeah, and also, no one cares. Exactly. Exactly. No one, cares. No one really cares that much, except you. Yeah, it's like it actually is really enlightening. I highly recommend anybody that actually is struggling with business to go back and just watch Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares UK. Just go because, like, that man. You know what he is? He's not a great cook. But he's an excellent manager. He's an excellent manager of 
restaurants because that's what he grew up in, right? So he just knows the business back to front. So he just is able to walk in and just be like, you're not fucking doing anything in the kitchen. You should be doing this. You should be, this guy shouldn't be the fucking head of the kitchen. That guy should be the head of the kitchen. You should be working out of the waiter because you've got good personality. So you should be mingling with the customers. That name isn't going to attract fucking anyone. Like he knows all the elements of how a business should work. And you just watching that, you realize, oh, okay. Areas of like with everything else in life, there is actually a formula to a business. There is a formula to how it should work. A recipe, if oh, you definitely. will. Definitely, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, so I do recommend that as well. But I do really like that quote that you said of, you know, if someone can do something 80% as well as you, delegate it. What was it? Yeah. Because I'm definitely at that point Those with books. tasks that I'm focusing on now. Like now I'm just realizing it is such a waste of time for me to be you know, writing two to three scripts a week. Like it's so, it's it's necessary to keep everything afloat, but it's also just like someone could surely be doing that 80% as well as me, especially because this is the whole thing and it's the same with your business right now, right? Like the flavor of what you do exists in the world. People know what you're aiming for. They know the general direction of where you're supposed to be putting your content. And so, you know, that the path is trodden. It can be turned into an institution at that point. Yes. You still, I think, need some level of oversight because I've also seen particularly creative institutions that we've seen, we've both witnessed there just magnificent decline from too much business-minded delegation if you will and being yeah. a little bubble so but this is the other thing that's really interesting like i should i should show it to you one day actually but there's like tony robbins just talks about like businesses like a human being because they are an organism have a lifespan like a business does and some businesses have longer lifespans and others like other human beings. And a lot of them just get propped up by say state funding or something like that, that should have died fucking years ago. And I think that that's what you're talking about there. There's these businesses that should have died that just keep getting resuscitated endlessly by taxpayer money, but they're a completely dead institution. Nothing new is coming out of them. And so it's yeah. interesting to see where you are at your stage of business. So I honestly think that Friendly Geordies is kind of at the stage of being an adolescent and moving to young adult. That's the stage that it's currently at. And then it should get into that nice streak of like midlife and midlife is kind of just like it runs itself smoothly, you know? Those are your prime years. And then it runs itself smoothly and like what it's innovating has kind of just moved on because the world has moved on and then that business dies. But that's okay. Like any good artist and entrepreneur and manager should have moved on and had other projects and endeavors in their life when they see that their needs are used to utilize somewhere else, mm. you know. So it is kind of just the life cycle of it. And I think it's just – it's actually – as as you've also 
realized as well. It's actually a very immature outcome. And I've noticed this about myself as well. It's a very immature outcome to just be like, no, this is mine. I, I have to, I have to like write yeah. every script, you know, it's just like, no. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, we can conclude that one there. That was great. Um, thank you everyone for listening and uh, come see us live, uh, comedyuntamed.com and see me and a bunch of other fantastic comedians uh, do a very unique live show, stand up and improv and go see Jordan live. He's all over the place. He was in bloody Rockhampton, so he'll be everywhere. Yes, I will. So, uh, yeah, come check us out and uh, neilcohacker.com slash podcast. If you've got a question, shout out or topic, uh, we'll get to, what was it, cellular agriculture soon enough. And see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>